Well, welcome to our second episode of Talk with TT. And I'm really delighted to have Mike Baker with us because uh, Mike is our church secretary and has been so for a number of years. We've just been discussing it's at least 15 years, um, but was actually a deacon in his probably when he was about 30. Mike, welcome. Good to have you with us. Um, tell us about your family, first of all, Mike. Yeah, okay. So my um my pivotal member of the family is my dear wife Brenda. Um we met at church in Tottenham and uh and was married at Tottenham Baptist Church. And if anyone's a Spurs supporter, you could <laughs> see the ground from the church steps. Um we were married in 1969. Um and then within about a year, um moved to Colchester. So we, we've been in Colchester since 1970. Um and uh, immediately joined Colchester Baptist Church, which was a very different sort of church to the one we know today. Um, and uh, and then we eventually started a family. We have three children. Uh, my oldest son is Steve. Steve's married to Michelle, and they have four lovely uh, children. So we have four grandchildren. They all have red hair. <laughs> so we're very disparaging by calling them the gingers, uh, but it, it does help. And uh, they all live in Old's Cone, so we're quite close to them. Uh, and then uh, Andy came along, um, and Andrew is married to Tracy. Um, and after some, they met at university in Liverpool and uh, came here, taught here for a while. Um, and then they decided to move back to the village where she had grown up and where her parents were. And uh, they live in Northumberland in a place called um, Rothbury. And they have two lovely children, Molly and Archie. And uh, so we don't see so much of them. We certainly haven't seen much of them in the last year. And then our daughter, Kate, came along. Just She came along just in time for us to take her. Kate um, has, uh, is no longer married to um, Patrick. Um, but they have a son, Max, who we adore. And uh, they're very close to each other. They, they work very closely together to make sure Max has a, a full and happy um, upbringing and so we're we're still close to Patrick and he spends time with us so we have seven lovely grandchildren lovely. and uh and they and they live sorry Kate lives in St Mary's in Colchester so we see a lot of them mm. so really that's our family wonderful wonderful and uh we are we're thrilled um as church secretary you're renowned for welcoming people and and it's a great ministry you've got Mike um and uh, Mike always does his best when there are new people to capture them and their names and welcome them formally. And uh, uh, I, everyone I speak to who's new will always know Mike. <laughs> so that's great. Now, I've got um, four questions for you, which um, I want to kick off the first one. If you were going to invite four people, they may be alive, they may have passed on. Um, which four would you pick and why? Yeah, so my ideal dinner party is one where there's lots of fun and uh, enjoyment. Uh, and, and I have been to some where I've got into deep arguments, philosophical, theological arguments, which has really spoke the atmosphere. So I've, I've gone for people that um, I, I, I hope uh, would make an enjoyable time. So there might not be, some of them might not be people you've heard of, and some are very famous people. Uh, now, the first one is, um, from 
my background of the literature, my favourite author, and it's a man called John Steinbeck. Oh, wow. And uh, I came across John Steinbeck when I was at school and we studied in his book called The Pearl. And, uh, and as a result of that, quite a few of us got really passionate about his writing. And the favourite books are Can Canary Row and Sweet Thursday, which are about a, a dysfunctional group of guys in on the west coast of America. And then he gets into much bigger books like Grapes of Wrath and the East of Eden, but lots of other books. And I've read all his books. And he had a great passion, I think, for the dispossessed and the people on the edge of the society. And I think, um, I mean, he's di he died some years ago. But um, I'd just like to hear his experience of how he developed those characters. And I'm sure there's a lot of fun in the books. And if you've never read Cannery Row and Sweet Thursday, they're small books, easy to read, and they're hilarious um, for different reasons. Excellent. So he's the first person. Yeah. Now, the second one, it's all going to depend on how she's going to behave. <laughs> but somebody I think would have some fascinating stories and hilarious um, encounters would be the Queen. Oh, wow. I have great respect for the Queen. I mean, she has been a, an actual model of monarchy. But equally, she must have had some times when she, her and the Duke of Edinburgh have really laughed afterwards. We don't see them do that, but they must have. And I think she'd have some great tales to tell mm. of both paths of people um, getting it wrong and how everyone fusses around her. And uh, so, you know, I just think it'd be quite interesting to hopefully she'd let her guard down and just tell us how it really is. Good. Now, the third one um, is interesting because it, it had quite an impact on my life. When I was, um, when I'd been a Christian about, I, I became a Christian about 16, 17. And when I'd been a Christian about six years, I went through a great period of doubt and um, fell away from um, my faith. Not completely, but it was I was wrestling inside more than anybody else would have known. And I'd come to a point, I always used to like, like John Steinbeck. I read all these books. Then I'd move on to another author and read all these books. And I got to a point where I didn't, have a, didn't know who the author was going to be. And I was in a library, so frustrated. And I thought, I'm just going to go straight across to that fiction area, take a book, and that's what I'm going to take. And I took this book out. And I noticed it shouldn't have been in the fiction section. It was a, a, a biography. Oh, so it should have been in the reference section. And it was the biography of John Newton. Oh, wow. I'd never heard of him at that point. And a lot of what we know about him didn't seem to be popular and common knowledge there. And, of course, it was about somebody that started off with faith, lost it completely, went to the pits of despair, um, but God brought him back and he became a great minister. Mm. So I've always held him dearly. And I'd love to hear his, his, mm. his story because he had a fascinating um, life and uh, went through... Terrible things, terrible situations. They, they often call him a slave trader, but he was a slave a lot of the time. And he, he got himself into terrible situations. So, you know, that, that's the, um, that's the third, third person. Now, the other one, balance up the men and the women. Somebody, again, I don't think Baptists appreciate for what she really is. And that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear her story? Mm. Hear it from her story. Most of what we know about Jesus in the Gospels must have come from Mary. Mm. She was the only one that, that was around, um, you know, the first first miracle. Yeah. She would have been the only one there to, to see that. 
and and how how she would have felt when Jesus rose from the dead. You know, and I don't know. It just it would be a wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, wonderful story. So that that are my four. I was going to have another one of my favourite people on television. He's a, a chef called Rick Stein. Yeah. I was thinking of inviting him, and then I thought, <laughs> no, perhaps I'll invite him to cook. Yes. And, and, uh, and cook one of his wonderful seafood. Like your thinking. So that's my dinner, <laughs> <laughs> that's very, my dinner party. Very eclectic. Um, an author, royalty. I mean, John Newton. I, I can... I would say John Newton, there's a lot about John Newton and you in terms of your ministries that you have in common. You have, have a ministry of encouragement. He was such an encouragement to William Wilberforce um, with his letters. And when Wilberforce tried to get the slave trade bill and it was all pushed down, it was Newton who kept him going. And I love, yeah, mother of, of Jesus. We We really haven't focused much on her as free church uh, Christians and amazing woman, the, the obedience to God. So thank you for those. Okay, the second question is um, the year COVID 2020, what a, what a tumultuous year. And how would you sum up what you've learned about faith and life thus far from 2020? Well, I think I always hang on to, I don't, it's not my mantra, it's part, it's in the gospel, um, it's in the book, uh, in the Bible, um, that, that our faith is a gift, the gift of the Spirit. And, and there's that phrase that says, nobody can say Jesus is Lord, but through the Spirit. And so our faith is a gift, and, and we carry it through life. It doesn't give us any access to an easy life, mm. or a good life, or a wealthy life, or a healthy life. But it's there to to carry us through the ups and downs, and of course uh, we have been in a down. And I think what our faith brings is some consistency mm. and some bedrock yeah. to dealing with all that goes on around us. And you know there are people that have had to lose loved ones, um, and it's easy then to blame it on God and blame it and say I don't want to know. But the answer really to us is to to allow our faith. To be the bedrock of our life that enables us to get through these things. Mm. We've been fortunate; we haven't suffered major griefs in our life so far. Um, but, but we, um, I know that if, if when they do come, and if they came, um, it's our faith that carry us through. Mm. It wouldn't make the, the experience any easier, but it would be there. And I think COVID for the churches, and it's good to see churches have responded in their different ways. And even the smallest of churches are getting round, communicating, showing Jesus's love at this time. So I think we should be encouraged that yeah. the church, that the faith that the Spirit brings to our lives yeah. uh, will be through us um, through COVID. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. I think the example of uh, seeing others hold faith, whether it's through the thick or thin, is a, a real encouragement, isn't it, to um, the trust? Okay, this is probably an unfair question, but I'll ask it anyway. The third question, um, if there's three pieces of advice, you don't have to give three if you don't want to, you could offer to your 30-year-old self, what would it be? Long answer to this, and I'm thinking I think I'm gonna duck a question, but <laughs> so 
So when I, I grew up, I grew up in a very deprived and rough part of North London, mm-hmm. and uh, in a, it was a place called Tottenham. But in this part of Tottenham where I grew up, it was a road called Lorenka Road. If you want to uh, uh, Google that, you'll find out some interesting things about Lorenka Road. Um, my grandmother and my my mother grew up in Lorenka Road. We lived just on the corner of Lorenka Road in Pretoria Road, and um, it was a rough street, without a doubt. And uh, most of the men had a front job of rag and bone men or scrap dealers. But um, listening to my parents, most of them were often in and out of prison, as indeed were their elder children. And some of the families were quite famous and violent families. Um, there were the, the Keys and the Squashes. Uh, the Squashes, again, you can find them on internet, um, who worked with the Cray Brothers. So that was the sort of place I grew up. But yeah. for some reason, um, I got to the grammar school. And uh, I was the only child in the street I'd ever got to the grammar school, which was just around the corner. And I was sort of like, a, as I walked up the street to go to school, the, certainly the grandparents and grandmothers would always sit on the wall would always say, good morning, Michael. They'd be proud that one of our boys had got there. My parents were really good. Didn't feel like it at the time, but they really restricted our ability to play in the street with the other kids. And uh, But we were still part of the street, and therefore I could go down that street quite safely, even though my big rugby playing sixth formers wouldn't dare go down that street. Um, <laughs> and I'd say, come on, you'll be safe with me, but they wouldn't go down there. Mm-hmm. Now, so from that background, um, I ended up working for BP. And I, I learned, well, I don't know whether I learned it early, two of my weaknesses. And uh, I have two fundamental weaknesses that have carried with me all my life. One is I am extremely lazy. And the other one is I'm extremely stubborn. <laughs> and uh, so if I didn't want to do something, I wouldn't do it. So despite being lazy, I, I struggled from school, scraped through school, which I loved school. Um, did better than anyone expected at A-levels, but knew no point going to university because I just would not motivate myself to do any work. So I then went to BP and qualifying as an accountant. I just found myself getting on in BP, but I, because I'm, I think I'm quite natural at getting on with people. But I would actually say that I did far better than I would have ever expected to. Mm-hmm. I, I reached um, just before BP grew into massive... Um, mergers with American companies, I've been promoted into the top contract of the company worldwide. And um, and that was a great experience. So looking back, um, given my weaknesses, I thought I'd done quite well. So what advice would I have given myself at 30 year old? Probably not very much. We were about just to go to South Africa at that point. So two pieces of advice I probably would have given myself because I wouldn't have been any different. There's no point giving myself advice to say, you need to be better at this because I am who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. So I could have um, said, go and do this, and I just wouldn't have been any good at it. So I'm not going to give any wise advice that would have changed my life. The one thing I should have done at 30 was gone a bit easier on my eldest son. Mm -hmm. He had to to pave the way for a father learning to be a father, and I think I was quite harsh with him. I mean, we're still, fortunately, Somebody intervened at some stage and we, uh, we resolved the situation in his teens. But um, I think I gave him a rough time. And, uh, and the other one was to have spent more time with my parents. Mm-hmm. They'd moved away and so there was quite a distance. 
And looking back, we really didn't see much of them. And um, and I should have met, I should have spent more time with my parents, who I loved dearly, but probably never expressed it to them. Mm. And uh, so that would be my advice. Nothing, nothing rocket science. Thank you for your transparency and honesty in that. Um, I'm I'm now a little intrigued about how faith came into your life with the background. I don't know if you were going to church as a young person, as a child, and then as a teenager or not. What, what led you to faith when you were in your teens, late teens? Yeah, so um, we, we were sent to Sunday school, which was more about getting us out of the house on a Sunday, but that didn't have much of an impact. Um, but at the age of about 11, uh, my best friend, Bob Stringle, started going to Boys Brigade at Tottenham Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I joined with him and we became members of the Boys Brigade, firstly Life Boys, and then uh, Boys Brigade. And I enjoyed Boys Brigade for a lot of things, you know, a lot of the classes, first aid, um, natural science and things like that. And also then in the band, and I was a drummer in the band, so I liked that. Um, And we had to go to Bible class on Sunday mornings, that was compulsory, but really didn't mean much to me at all. Um, I enjoyed the Boys Brigade, it was great fun, a lot of friends. Every now and again, we had church parades, and then we all sat up. I, boys, boys would sit on one side of the gallery upstairs, and the girls' brigade would sit on the other side. And so most of the um, hour of boredom was spent eyeing up the girls and deciding <laughs> which one you might be trying to chat up a bit later. And then one day, the minister there um, started to talk about, you know, God may be speaking to you, and. Um, and he said, and if you if you if you think God's speaking to you, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down the front here. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wonder if one who's going to do that. And and I, I looked around, expecting the normal candidates, the guys that really were church going with their families, and nobody moved. And then suddenly I had this overpowering voice in my head. I'm talking to you. Mm. I was shaking, absolutely shaking. I couldn't move. Mm. I was shivering. And um, and I didn't go down the front. But I started reading my grandmother's Bible, which um, was in a cupboard, and I got that out, and I started reading that and, and thinking about things. And, um, and I got to a point, and it was a story my, it turned out to be my, my uh, father-in-law just told me at Sunday school <laughs> or at Bible class about somebody having to go back and redo something they didn't face. So I then said to God, if you are really talking to me, then the next Bible study, at the next church parade, you're going to call me forward again. And uh, and I put it back next time we had a, a church parade. Um, I was sitting there again, not to pay much attention, and suddenly I heard the words again, and I thought, that's it, and off I went, and that was when I stepped forward to faith. And that's such an important thing for me because I'm lazy and because I'm stubborn, and God knew that I was going to wrestle with a load of doubts through my life. He needed to make it very clear to me that when He called me, mm. and whenever I've doubted and had weak times of faith, I've gone back to that moment. But I know that was God speaking to me, and so it's been an important part of my life. Thank you for sharing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. One of the, you know, there are flip sides to everything. Um, 
about being stubborn. Um, you, you can be very resolved and resilient because of your stubbornness. So there is always a positive side to some of the, um, uh, you're a, uh, I, th I often say that I think I'm a, you know, I could be very lazy if I wanted to be. And it's the, I suppose it's that kind of work ethic that my parents put into me that I'm aware I could be very lazy if I wanted. And it's probably far from the truth. Um, and I know that how active you are with your family, with the church, with other charities. So, and I suspect Brenda would say when you were working for BP, you were probably working very, very long days. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Because, I, I, like, because I was doing what I liked. I was doing what I wanted to do. That's why. Yeah. yeah. So as long as I love doing it, I work very hard on things yeah. I love doing. That's a good point. I don't want to do. Yeah. So as Czech Secretary, what is your vision uh, for CBC over the coming years? What's your hopes or aspirations? Well, I think the first thing is um, this, this, this COVID lockdown has, I think, just shown each of us how desperately we need each other and how important our family, and I mean the church family, um, is to us. And I always think of our church as a family. Um, and uh, and I, I think there'll be that wonderful rejoicing. Now, I suspect we'll go about out of COVID slowly. There won't be a sudden, right, everything's off, back together. Mm. And I'm hoping we'll just get back to and realise how important meeting each other on a Sunday, joining together for worship, all those things we've not been able to do properly, and how important they'll be. And my vision is that we'll realise how wonderful it is for those people who don't have it, mm. those people outside the church, and how much they're missing. Mm. And just recently, because of the traffic changes, I've been having to drive down, um, not East Hill, high, the Hyde, or come out of Colchester off a Balkan, um, off of St. Bottles roundabout and go down the hill where I don't normally go. And there are a vast number of apartments and houses and flats that have gone up there. And there's a whole, there's a, there's hundreds of people now within easy walking distance of our church. Yeah. And I think it would be good if we could suddenly see ourselves as a mission field to those people. Yeah. Open Door do a fantastic job with those that have um, deep needs. But there's a load of people out there that don't know they have a need because they're financially stable who still need the gospel. And I, my, my vision is would we, we would become a, a gospel church, mm. a church that really just wants to make sure other people enjoy the faith that we have and the blessing we get from one another and from, from Jesus in our lives. So yeah, it's about going out there and and uh, telling telling the world what, what faith in Jesus means and uh, can how it can change their lives. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. It's been a real privilege, Mike, um, just to hear your understanding. And you're part of the glue that makes us a church family and Brenda and, and your, your grandchildren. Um, it's, it's a real blessing. Thank you for what you do for us in, in leading and guiding, inspiring us, challenging us. You, you hold the flame of the gospel very high. And I think um, sharing faith is one of the easy things for us to let go of and um, you know sharing faith respectfully creatively is something we've got to get
better at, I think, at CBC. And um, and it's it's good that you've uh, reminded us of that, of the people who are around us, often unseen, hidden, who, who we could reach out to. So thank you for being with us. And that's been Talk With TT with our church secretary, Mike Baker. Thank you. Thank you.